Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, I have a question for you. What do you do when your circumstances are overwhelming? Whether it's physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, when they're completely overwhelmed, overwhelming and you feel like maybe you're in agony. Maybe you're, you're suffering to the point where it feels like it's literally unbearable. What do you do in that situation? A few months back, back in November, December-ish, um, I was on the treadmill, and my wife screamed out a horrific scream. The wor- I've never heard anything like it. It startled me. It scared me to death. Um, fast forward real quick. She thought in that moment that Callie was actually dead. I don't have time to go into that portion of the story. You've seen Callie here, so she's obviously not. But, but she was, um, it turned out she was dehydrated. It's a long story. I won't go into it. But, but she w- Heather walked into her. Her, she w- her head was on the, on the um, she was on the toilet. Her head was laying on the countertop, mouth wide open, um, eyes rolled back in her head. And so she, she screams this out. I've never heard anything like it. It startled me, scared me to death. She might have even said, Callie's dead. I don't remember because I rushed out of the room. And as I rushed out of that room uh, and I went into the hallway, my foot slipped. Just like on the Peanuts, you know, with, with Charlie Brown, right? I slipped. I fell back and sideways. The kids, I emphasize kids, had left a pull-up bar in the hallway on the ground. Um, that's never happened since. So uh, they left that pull-up bar, uh, you know, there on the ground. I slipped. My back right here, the full weight of my body fell onto that pull-up bar. I screamed out a scream I've never screamed before. It was excruciating what just happened. I couldn't even get up to go to her. Again, that's a whole other story. Everything's good there. Um, So I'm, I'm laying there. I'm trying to get up. I can't move. My back's just doing this. Uh... The, the paramedics had to come. They had to take Callie to ER. And so I'm at home, and, and a couple hours later, I'm in so much pain. It is excruciating. It's unbearable. I, I don't even know how to uh, uh, sit there. I'm laying on the couch. My back keeps doing this. So I finally decide to go to the ER. And have you ever been to the ER? I mean, you walk in. They, they ask you the most insulting questions. Have you ever figured that out? They, they, I mean, they walk in and they go, well, uh, what seems to be the problem? And you're like, what seems to be the problem? Well, it seems like my insides want to be on my outsides, but I'm no doctor. Now, to those of you who are Brian Regan fans, that was actually one of his lines. And so you could, uh, you know, YouTube Brian Regan emergency room and do the whole bit. Don't watch it now, but you can watch it later. But anyway, I do go in, and, and, and I'm in so much pain, so they say, they give me an x-ray, right? Get the x-ray back, and turns out I broke my, it was either 9, 10, and 11, or 11, or 10, 11, and 12, whatever the bottom three ribs are, which are the most excruciating ribs. That's why there's so much pain. And they're like, well, but you haven't punctured your lungs, so nothing we can do for you. Good luck. See you later. So that's kind of how I left the ER, three broken ribs, excruciating pain, unbearable pain, beyond what I could imagine. The next week was awful. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't do anything. I remember I had to come to church, and, uh, and I, every step I took, my back would do this, and I didn't want to 
lead on and all that, so I would lean on the podium so my back didn't uh, spasm in those moments. And it's been a rough few, mo- or few weeks after that, and it's still kind of healing. I feel it all the time. Unbearable. Now, the story we're looking at today is a story of Jesus experiencing pain. And the pain that Jesus experiences greater than any physical pain you or I have or ever will experience. It's greater than any emotional, mental, spiritual pain that you or I will ever experience or ever endure. But because of Jesus' actions, because of Jesus' decisions in those moments, you and I actually have the hope of heaven. Now, other than the crucifixion and then subsequently, of course, the resurrection, what we're looking at today is perhaps the most important other story in the Bible, right? Those, you know, crucifixion, resurrection, most important. This is the most important other story. If Jesus didn't do what we are looking at today, if he didn't do this, then then you and I wouldn't have the hope of heaven. There would never have been a crucifixion. And there would have never been a resurrection. This story we're looking at today is a story, it's an epic story between wills. One will or another will. It's a battle between good and evil. Who will win? How will this impact us? This is actually the darkest night of Jesus' life. And yet we're going to discover in the story that even in Jesus' darkest night, the grace of the loving Father comes in and fills him and fills us, and it shines brightest in our moments, in our weakest moments of suffering. It makes me think about the verse in John chapter 1, verse 16. 1 John chapter 1, 16, it says, Out of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Say grace upon grace. Say that on, if you're at home, even no matter where you're sitting. Say grace upon grace. That grace upon grace, sorry, just say it once. Uh, that grace upon grace uh, translated different ways. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. Or favor upon favor. Or I like this one. Gift heaped upon, or gifts heaped upon gifts. Here's what you and I need to know, that no matter how dark, our moments are, no matter how dark our night is, no matter how dark, how difficult our suffering is, no matter what kind of agony that we might be experiencing, no matter what it is that God, the Bible says, is dishing out huge heapings of grace upon us. You might be in something right now where you're suffering. God is pouring out his grace upon you. And he does that for Jesus in our story today. Now, in order for us to even remotely comprehend the magnitude of what we're looking at and what's taking place, I need to give you a whole bunch of context. Now, I want you to hang with me, and if you will, and if you can hang with me, you are going to have, I believe, a far greater love and appreciation for what Jesus did for us in this moment, in this story, and it's the story of what happens to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, we've been looking the last couple weeks at the last moments or the last week of Jesus' life. It's literally the week that changed the world. And today's story is the last night that Jesus is alive. And the story we're looking at takes place right after a few important key events that we're all aware of. See, just a couple hours earlier, Jesus and his disciples had celebrated Passover. 
Now, during that night, Jesus had predicted his betrayal. Jesus had told his disciples that they are going to abandon him. And you guys, a lot of you know the story, right? Peter speaks up and says, what does Peter say? What does he say? He says, not me, not me, Lord. I'll never bail on you. I'll never abandon you. And and Jesus is like, oh, Petey boy, you're actually going to be the worst of all of them, right? (laughs) You're not only going to bail on me, you're going to deny knowing me tonight. And not only going to deny knowing me, you're going to deny knowing me how many times? Three times tonight. And so Jesus has just finished the Passover meal with his disciples. He has washed their feet. He celebrated what we now know as communion or the Lord's Supper with them. They leave that upper room and they take a mile walk to the Mount of Olives. So they head back at the time, not today, but back at the time they head outside the city walls. They would pass down and through the Kidron Valley and up to the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives was a hillside full of peaches. Thank you, Gary. I'm just making sure somebody's paying attention. Okay? The rest of you are like, what what just happened? Okay. (laughs) The Mount of Olives is obviously this mountain, this mount full of olive trees. And inside of it, you had what was called the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the, the, the word Gethsemane comes from two Hebrew words. The first word, got, which means a place for pressing oil. And the second word, shmenim, which means oils or a wine press of oils. So literally the word means, Gethsemane means a wine press of oils or simply an oil press. Now, olive oil was a huge, huge part of the economy of Israel. It was used in the temple, right? It was used in in what they took place in the temple. It was used to light up all of the lamps uh, to provide light. It was used in food. It was used uh, as a healing treatment, an antiseptic. It was used as a cleansing soap. So, of course, it made total sense that there on the, on, the, on the outskirts of the capital city of Jerusalem, you would have this huge olive grove. Now, if you visit today, you go to Israel and you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, you'll see some of the oldest trees known to humankind. They are reportedly, some of them, even from the time of Jesus. And you can see a couple of those pictures there. Now, how do you get olive oil? Well, you run down to Costco, right, and pick it up, right? But, but back then, that wasn't the case. So I want to explain how you get olive oil, because if you can understand how you get olive oil from the olives, you're going to have a better understanding of the significance of the story that happens in the Garden of Gethsemane and what takes place with Jesus and specifically at this location. So during the time of Jesus, olives would be crushed in a large stone vat or bowl. And now inside that vat or bowl, you had this huge stone that was placed up on its side, about 1,000 to 2,000 to 3,000 pounds, and it would fit the contour of that bowl. The stone wheel had a hole through the middle of it, which passed through a large wooden beam that was then attached to a donkey. Now, that animal would then walk around in a circle around that stone vat, pushing or pulling that beam. And that wheel-shaped stone would then crush all the olives that were inside the stone vat. Now, some, and it would basically turn it into pulp. Some of that 
uh, would produce oil right there, and it would flow through a hole in the vat, and then that's how they would get their first batch of olive oil. But then next, they would take the crushed olive pulp, and they would put them in, in donut-shaped baskets that had you know, holes in the middle, and they would put the pulp in these baskets. They would take that olive, olive uh, that pulp and those baskets, they would use what was called an olive press. Now this was basically, and we'll show a picture, it's a huge log, just kind of picture a giant beam that had three about 1,000 to 2,000 pound rocks that were cantilevered off of that beam. And those rocks or, or those stones or those boulders would then be, would, would press down right over the baskets of, olive oil, of olives and they would stack those baskets about 10 high. So as they pressed down on those baskets and compacted those baskets, what would come out again? More oil, right? More oil would come out and they would, they would do that three different times to get the remaining oil out of the olive pulp. Now again, Gethsemane means what? Oil press. The pressure, the weight squeezed out the oil. That's critical for us to understand. If you want to understand the Garden of Gethsemane, you have to understand the oil press. You have to understand that it's the pressure, that it's the weight that squeezes out something, a final product. And that final product in this case is oil or olive oil. With that in mind, let's now step into the story. And we're going to look in Mark chapter 11. You can go on your phones to the YouVersion Bible apps. You can go to a physical Bible. You can check it out on the screen. Mark chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 32. And it says this. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane, right? What does Gethsemane mean? Anybody remember? Oil press, right? Oil press. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. But he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of what? What does it say? To the point of death. So this is pretty serious what's happening here. He said to them, stay here, keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. The hour, what's coming next? Then he cried out, Abba, Father. That word Abba literally means daddy or dad. It's the most you know, intimate form of communication with your dad. So he's crying out, Dad, Dad, Father, everything's possible for you. Can you take this cup from me? Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. This scene happens three times. Returns, finds them sleeping, tells them stay awake. He goes off, prays again, Father, can you take this cup from me? But not my will, your will be done. Comes back, sees them sleeping, goes back up a third time. Luke chapter 22 tells us more about the story. In verse 42, it says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, or some translations say being in agony, say agony. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is an incredible scene that we have before us. What's taking place? 
Jesus is so distressed, it's to the point of death. He's troubled. His soul is completely overwhelmed with sorrow. He's in, Scripture says, in agony. And he's pleading with God, Dad, 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 please take this cup away. Take away what is coming. Come on, Dad. If there's any other way, can you take this cup away? Please reveal it. Man, it's an incredible scene. Now, what is specifically coming for Jesus? Well, we know very shortly he will be betrayed. The soldiers will come, that he will be whisked off, taken away, and he will go be put on, a, on trial. He'll be falsely accused. We know after that he will then be beaten to an inch within his life. He will then carry this cross and he will be crucified and he will die on a cross. And we know that he dies specifically for all of our sins. In verse 44 in Luke there, that word agony or anguish is the Greek word agonizimoi. And it refers to the arena or stadium where athletes would earnestly contend and fight and struggle for the prize. So the word agony literally means intense suffering, to earnestly contend for a prize. That's why it's often called the Garden of Gethsemane is referred to by many people as the Garden of Suffering or the Garden of Agony. And verse 53 actually tells us Jesus was in agony for, for a couple reasons. But verse 53 says well, he was in agony because of this combat, this battle, this struggle with the power of darkness. He was in a fight, a fight for the eternal future of humanity. Paul gave a command to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, and he said, fight the good fight of faith. Maybe you've heard that verse before. In, in the Greek, it literally reads, agonize the good agony. That's the Greek, because it's the same word that we hear, see here in Luke 2, 22, verse 44, for agony. Jesus struggled so intensely. The agony was so great. What did Luke 22, verse 44 say? It said his sweat was like drops of blood falling from the ground. That's interesting. The word drops is the Greek word thromboi. Maybe our doctors in here might know you think of that word thromboi. What is thromboi? We get our English word thrombosis, which means basically in simple preacher language, doctors can correct me on this, but it means a clotting of the blood. Jesus was in such a spiritual battle that his, his sweat his, his sweat oozed like watery blood clots through his pores. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? This is the garden of suffering for Jesus. The garden, garden of anguish, of agony. And what he's going through in that moment and also knowing what's in store for him, he's totally overwhelmed. His warfare with Satan and the forces of darkness was so intense that Luke uh, verse 43 told us that God actually had to send an angel to strengthen him. Because remember what he said originally, man, I'm suffering to the point of what? Do you remember what it was? To the point of death. I'm not sure you and I can really comprehend what's happening in this moment. No matter how much I try to think about it, no matter how much I try to describe it, I can't comprehend it. 
Now let's think back to the olive press for a moment. In the garden, the weight of the world was bearing down on Jesus. He knew that in a moment, shortly, the sins of the world would be pressing down upon him like a heavy rock was pressed down on the olives in the baskets. That the weight of the sin bore down on Jesus. The weight of his decision on whether to proceed or not weighed down on him. And as all that weight bore down upon him, like olive oil was squeezed out of the olives, so drops of blood were squeezed out of Jesus. And when Jesus asked his heavenly father, when he asked his dad to take the cup of suffering, the cup of agony from him, did that mean Jesus was afraid of dying? No, not in you know, the normal sense of, of having some kind of fear of dying. But Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus knows what he's going to see, what he's going to feel. He's going to feel the weight of the sin of all of humanity. Jesus sees the consequences. Jesus sees hell. Jesus sees what is due to us because of our sins or as a result of our sins. And so Jesus is fully, fully aware of all that punishment, of all that judgment that is meant to be laid upon us, that all of it will be laid on him. In fact, scripture says it more vividly. It says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. The sinless one who never sinned would take on all of our sin. He would become sin. Don't you think that would be overwhelming for someone who never knew what sin was, who never experienced it? There in the garden, Jesus is nearly crushed under the weight of suffering, the weight of suffering for our sins on the cross, the weight of suffering, knowing that he would be alone and isolated. What Jesus goes through here and what he will go through shortly is something that you and I will never experience ever. Thankfully, he bore for us the weight of our sin, the weight of the world upon his shoulders. But I think there are a couple things you and I can learn or take away from this story. Staggering under this weight or under this pressure, Jesus prayed. How many times did he pray? Three times, right? To the Father to take the cup of suffering from him. He didn't want to drink the cup that the Father had prepared for him since the foundations of the world. That's how brutal this was. Frankly, you know what that shows me? That shows me the full humanity of Jesus in this moment. That he would experience those emotions and those feelings and that, those intense emotions that you and I experience. I think we've all been un, in situations or circumstances where the weight of it has felt unbearable. Have you ever been there? Have you been there? You're like, I don't know if I can get through this. I don't know if I can come out on the other side. Carmelite monk, monk St. John of the Cross, referred to it as the dark night of the soul, where it's so completely overwhelming, it's so overbearing, it's too much to bear. Have you had that kind of experience? If you have, then like Jesus, you have probably prayed, God, isn't there another way? I know I've prayed that. God, can't you approach this differently? You're God. You can do anything. 
Is this really the only way through this? Is this the only way out of this? Is this the only way forward? God, I can't take it. Give me another option. I've prayed that. And I imagine you have as well. But one of the things I learn is that like Jesus in the dark nights of our soul, that we can come before the Father in passionate prayer. In, in, in honest prayer, in sincere prayer, laying our soul before him, crying out to him, pleading to him. But also, just like Jesus, our only path moving forward, our only path through that, the only path is found in obedience to the Father. It's the only way. Pure obedience to the Father and to his will. In those dark nights of our soul, it's easy to lose our way, to feel disoriented, to feel like maybe we've been abandoned, to feel like we're empty, to feel like we want to give in and give up, to feel like I can't take it any longer. That had to have been what Jesus felt in the Garden of Gethsemane when the weight of the world was pressed down upon him. But when the weight of the world was pressed down on him, what came out? It wasn't olive oil like on the press. What came out was perfect obedience to the Father. Perfect obedience. Jesus decided, I want this to be taken away, Father. However, not my will, but your will be done. Whatever it is that feels like an unbearable weight for you right now. Brian Rangan language, yo, it feels unbearable, right? Really? No, no. When you're in it, it feels, it is unbearable. You need to understand, Jesus completely understands. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're experiencing. He knows what it's like to want whatever it is you're suffering in. He knows what it's like to want that to be taken away. He knows what it's like to cry out, to pray over and over and over and over. Father, please, a different way, a new way. Give me another path forward. Father, take it away. He knows. Three times Jesus asked, take it away, but not my will. Your will, Father, be done. Three times he submitted. Three times he surrendered. And when Jesus finished praying the third time, that battle that was taking place internally was finished. It was over. Jesus gets up, he leaves Gethsemane, and he will never be shaken again. He will never doubt again. He's getting ready to face abandonment in a moment. Humiliation. A trial, a false trial, by the way, falsely accused. He's going to face the mockery, the scourging, the crucifixion. He's going to face all of it with an unshakable resolve. Because what had been pressed out of him in, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the pressure was on, what came out? Perfect obedience. Not my will, but God, your will be done. I think Hebrews 12 only makes sense when you understand the Garden of Gethsemane. When it says, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. I've always, the joy set before him? What, what are we talking about? Well, the garden helps me understand that verse. Because he walked out of that garden. Perfect obedience. When the pressure was on, 
perfect obedience to the will of God came out of that. And he walked out with a resolution and a resolve. And so for the joy set before him, absolutely. I want it my way, but now what's come out is perfect obedience. And so I will absolutely, for the joy set before me, I will go to the cross for all the sin of all humanity. The verse finally makes sense to me. You and I have our own versions of the Garden of Gethsemane. But for clarity, nothing like Jesus went through. But in a sense, we have or are or will go through something that's extremely difficult for us. Like Jesus, we can come before our Heavenly Father and we can pray open, honestly, laying it before him passionately. And in the midst of those moments, in the midst of that pressure, you and I have the same opportunity as Jesus. As the weight is pressed down upon us, and as you cry out to the Father, what will be pressed out of you? What will come out of you? Not my will, but Father, yours be done. Perfect obedience. Or will you turn your back on the Lord? It's your call. God gives you the choice. He gives you the option. I'm so grateful that Jesus chose perfect obedience. I'm so grateful that the oil that was pressed out of Jesus was obedience to the will of the Father. Well, the devil was destroyed at Calvary. We know that. But the devil was actually defeated here in Gethsemane, in the garden. The battle was actually over in the garden as far as Jesus was concerned. That's where it ended. That's where it was finished. Jesus had won. The devil had lost. The greatest, I think, and most beautiful comfort and joy of Gethsemane isn't that you and I can relate to it. It's that we will never be able to relate to it because of what Jesus did for us. Only he could drink that specific cup. And out came perfect obedience to the Father. And as a result of that, he purchased our salvation. So what do we do? What do you do? Simple. You receive the love of Christ that was pressed out for us. You choose God's will over your own will. God's way, not my way. What's the will of God? He makes it crystal clear in 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says God wants everyone to be saved. Say the word everyone. Everyone. That is God's will. And to know the whole truth. What's the whole truth? Which is... There is only one God, and Jesus Christ is the only one who can bring us to God. Jesus was truly human, and he gave himself to rescue all of us. Jesus said it himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. There's only one, and no one comes to the Father, but through me. God is patient with us. He's been waiting patiently, and he wants every single one of us, Scripture says, to turn from our sin and to not be lost, to not be destroyed, to not perish. What about you? Will you submit your life to God? Will you say, God, here's my life. Jesus, I come to you. You purchased my salvation that I could never purchase myself because you are the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I want to receive that love and that salvation. If that's you, if you want to receive Jesus for the first time and for the rest of us, let's, let's reaffirm our faith in him. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you. God, there might be one who's watching or listening right now. There might be many. Today is their day of salvation. And it's because, Jesus, of what you did in that garden that you chose God's way, God's plan, God's path to die so we could live. If you're here watching, listening, wherever you're at, and you're ready to say, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, you can be saved right now. You can have the assurance of salvation, of eternal life, if you invite Jesus into your heart. And so I'm going to ask you right now to pray with me. Say something like this. I believe there's only one God. And I believe, Jesus, that you are the way to God. You're the only way to the Father. And so as best as I understand right now, I submit and surrender my life to you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. My life is yours, Jesus. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. God, I pray there's some people who just prayed that and the angels of heaven rejoice because your kingdom is is larger because of what you just did. For the rest of us, God, who know you, we simply pray. Maybe you pray with me right now. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you are my Savior. Once again, I affirm my faith in you. Once again, I choose, God, your will over my will, your way over my way. So, God, when the pressure's on, when the pressure's squeezing upon me, God, out of that, God, I commit to you once again to be obedient to your way, to your will. Even when it's tough and difficult and overwhelming, I surrender to you. I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name I pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.